Hello, everybody. Hey. Hey, welcome to... I was going to say the well, but this is overtime. This is, this is not the well. Welcome to Overtime Podcast. This <laughs> is uh, the space that we have to kind of dive a little deeper in what was covered in the sermon over the weekend. Yeah. And if you were with us this weekend, you weren't really with us. You were yeah. online. Yeah. Um, so we're very, of course, as everyone is very aware of just kind of the complexity of the time that we're in right now. Yeah. Uh, and I guess we're going to pause before we jump into overtime to just talk a little little bit about what's going on. Yeah. Um, First so, of all, I got to say, it's weird being on this side. So normally yeah. Christian is not the host. I feel like normally yeah. I'm the host. Yeah. And so I'm in his shoes. But since I preached this past week, now he's over there. You're the host. Yeah. I don't know if I actually changed my physical seat, but yeah. yeah. And then we <laughs> normally do kind of talk about some of the upcoming events, but yeah. we don't really have any. Yeah. So um, as you guys have kind of seen all over social media, all over the news, just kind of everywhere, um, things are different right now uh, in, in an attempt to be uh, discerning and wise. Um, yep. We've kind of followed the instructions that um, have been given to us that have been recommended by the CDC. And we're just kind of pumping the brakes on just about everything that we're doing here. Yeah. So there's, uh, and I think I'm saying it correctly, there's no events on the calendar right now for the near future for uh, the next week or so. Yeah. Um, and including services, we will still be doing those things. In fact, we're going to share a little bit about what uh, what we're doing in lieu of everything. But we're just going to be online a lot more, kind of like we are right now uh, yeah. in overtime. Um, for services, we'll be streaming those at the normal times at 5 p.m. on Saturdays and 9 o'clock on Sundays and 1045 on Sundays. So you can tune in on Facebook or the website. Um, and yeah, so we're going to be largely online. So do you want to speak a little bit more yeah, to that? I also feel like it's maybe important to say if you're listening to this via podcast, who knows, this could be months from the time that the COVID-19 virus hit. It yeah. could be uh, who knows, even years if it's hosted online for, for that long. So yeah. basically where we're at right now is that the COVID, uh, the COVID-19 virus kind of has made its way to the U.S. Mm -hmm. And because of that, there's a lot of different concerns, health um, concerns for people that are immunocompromised. Yeah. So specifically those are that are a little bit older in age or, again, like I said, just those that are immunocompromised. Yeah. So basically where we've landed as a church is that we have canceled all of this week's events. So this is March, basically the week of March 15th yeah. through the 21st, I yeah. believe, as long as I'm getting those dates right. Um, we have canceled all events that are happening during that time. What we believe is that probably through the end of March will be the uh, kind of the continuation of when we will have events canceled. We are, however, kind of having that be a fluid situation yeah. in the sense that we're meeting on Tuesdays. We just came from basically almost a three-hour meeting where we're trying to work through some stuff. There's yeah. a lot of thought. There's a lot of detail. There's a lot of praying. There's a lot of um, a lot of going some into, confusion. <laughs> yeah, well, some confusion. I won't say a lot of confusion, yeah. but there's, it's it's a pretty unprecedented time yeah. that we're living in where um, we're kind of working through this. Like in my 33 years of existence, I haven't seen anything quite like this. And and really, to be completely honest, what the challenge is is, man, I want I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, yeah, right. And I want to organize the church and help lead the church through this time. Yeah. And to be honest, it's. I've never had to like, uh, I don't know how to do to... church without community. Yeah, yeah. That's the hardest part. So I think what we really want to do is lean into technology. Yep. So you are going to see us continue to use technology. So whether you're listening to this via podcast and it's through Spotify or it's through iTunes, yep. um, or if you're watching us live on Facebook, or if it's not even live, you're watching on our website, man, thanks for joining us. We are going to mm -hmm. continue to lean into that technology yep. as much as we can. Yeah. So as Christian already said, uh, this weekend, what we are kind of assuming is that this weekend services probably will not be in person. It won't be face to face, yeah. but it will be hosted online, yeah. just like what we did this past weekend. Yeah. So we are going to continue that cadence. It'll be Saturday night at five o'clock, Sunday morning at nine, and then Sunday morning at 1045 as well. So put on your jammies and drink your coffee. And yeah. Come hang out with us. Love for you to join us live. The, yeah. the big advantage of joining us live is that you'll actually get an element of worship. If mm -hmm. you just tune into our website. If you go to clcfamily.church slash media, yep. we do have our, our messages hosted there. Yep. After those live services, we, yeah. we just then cut out that worship. So yeah. that's kind of the advantage of joining us live is that you actually get the worship experience as part of that. Yeah. I think that's important too. Yeah. would love for you to have kind of some, some symbolism or some like 
something that yeah. resembles the normal routine. Even though none might, of this is really normal. <laughs> but that's just it. Like everything right now is thrown out of the normal. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy and unprecedented. And uh, our plan, I think as of now, I, I don't know if uh, I missed any of this, um, is to continue to try and it's, as Ben said, it's a very fluid situation. So we're yeah. always evaluating, always trying to figure out, hey, what can we be doing? What should we be doing? What shouldn't we be doing? Yeah. Um, and so I think the precedence right now or the cadence that we're running with is Tuesdays and Fridays are kind of days that's where right. we go over our plan uh and we try and let you guys know and so if you want to stay tuned to all of that stuff yeah. um just keep following our website and our facebook page so the website is clcfamily.church and then the web uh search us on facebook clc family um and i think we're going to do our best to kind of keep everybody posted yeah. and then um, the other thing i'll just throw in there too is the app so we do have yeah. the christian life center app so if you text it's the number 77977 um, and you text the word CLC family. That's actually one word. There's two words total. So yep. CLC family, but that's the first word. Mm -hmm. And then the second word app, A-P-P. So CLC yeah. family and then app, you would actually get that uh, 77977. Yep. So those are kind of the three main areas that we are trying to lean into is the, is the website, is the app, and then also through our social media, which is primarily Facebook, um, but through those channels. And the other thing that we said on Sunday is that if you know somebody who maybe mm. doesn't have access to the internet yeah, or maybe a little bit older in age and they don't really you know, have the capability or maybe even the desire to be connected through uh, those online presence, then we would encourage you to one, let us know who they are so that we can be in contact or maybe even a better option for that is for you to actually reach out yourself, yeah. start a call chain, start like a message. Like I think one of the things, like I just said, I don't know how to do church without community. Mm. And what's so amazing in this day and age, it's different than meeting face to face, but we can still have some level of community yeah. even amongst this kind of isolation of, of <laughs> kind of being in quarantine, separate, right? Yeah. We can see people through Skype. Mm -hmm. We can talk to people over the phone. We yep. can connect with them through so many different means. So I would encourage you to continue to do that. We are still a community. The church is still going to be the church, the hands yeah. and feet of God. One of, one of the things we talked about this week, and I'm sure we'll get into it, is that the church is not the four walls of this building. That is not even the language that is used to describe the church in Acts yeah. as the early church. The ecclesia was the movement or the assembling of soldiers was, was kind of the visual that was painted. So the church is not the building. The the church is the people, yeah. and the movement of the people is what we're called to do. So it's just gonna look—it's gonna look different uh, yeah. over the next kind of few days, weeks. It will. Um, but uh, one thing I always try to remember—I think I went live this morning on our, our Instagram to remind our students because we're trying to figure out, okay, what do we do uh, for Wednesday night, right? Yeah. Um, and so one thing I was trying to remind them is like, none of this caught God off guard. Yeah, uh, that's right. None of you know this is not. Um, Bigger than God, this is probably the biggest thing we've seen in a long time. Um, but uh, none of this got off guard, and you know God is still God in all things. And so, just trying to lean into that. Remember, um, just kind of these core truths that we always come back to when the seasons are normal. Um, but now, especially when things are kind of abnormal or things are different, just remembering that you know God is good. God's bigger than all this, yeah. and God's working not only behind the scenes but in front of the scenes. And actually, I think that um, was reflected very well in the sermon this last weekend on yeah. how God uh, does some pretty profound, incredible things in circumstances that we may not expect, right. um, which I guess uh, might bring us yeah, to the message. I feel like that's a great segue, although I do want to, uh, there Address. was something else that I thought yep. as, as you were talking. I'm like, man, that, that was, was a really good segue, man. That was man. a great segue. Now we're going to segue back. Yeah. Now, now let's see if he can do it again. I'll try. I'm going to think, I'll think of it. I won't even <laughs> so, listen to you. Uh, I was just thinking that one of the things that we do want to try and do is that on Wednesday nights, what we hope to do is actually get some type of a devotional as well. So we're trying to really lean into the times where you would probably be coming to the church, or at least there was an offering to come to the church. We want to try and do that on Wednesday nights as well. So mm -hmm. literally in this meeting that we just kind of came from with staff, um, what we're trying to do is, is say, okay, kids ministry, continue to post discussion questions. We're going to continue to show the video over the weekend through the online church that we're going to be doing yeah. for the kids. There'll be discussion questions there. There's activities there. They're going to be continuing to post things. Yeah. Um, high school, as you just heard Christian talking about it, we're trying to do as much as we can and lean as much as we can into that so that we can actually continue to be the church, continue yeah. to have community. So be on, on the lookout tomorrow night, Wednesday. 
Um, we should have something coming out, maybe like a quick devotional. It's probably not going to be like another sermon or another series. Yeah. It'll probably be recorded by various number of, of different staff members. Yeah. Um, it'll probably be even hosted in their homes. Mm-hmm. Like it may not be in the official studio setup. Um, even Which that. I think would be cool. Yeah. So to see their dogs. You'll get and... to see that. If if we ever record mine at my house, just ignore my dogs barking. Okay. I've got a little <laughs> eight-month boxer who she loves those front windows and it's <laughs> annoying. So, so yeah, I, I feel like this was a big part of the message on Sunday is just kind of talking through this, this virus, because the reality is that this hits home for all of us. Like yeah. it's hard for it to not dominate yeah. our thoughts. Yeah. And so there was a, a kind of an essay that uh, CS Lewis had, had wrote when it came to the age of the the atomic bomb, right? The atomic age mm-hmm. is what he said. And and actually, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I do want to read kind of the last paragraph to that essay that yeah. he wrote. Um, and this is what he said in that. It was in response. This is a couple years after, you know, we dropped the atomic bombs to end World War II. It's mm-hmm. when, uh, when the Cold War was in its infancy, just still young. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this fear and this panic of going, how do we live in this atomic age? Mm-hmm. And I read that. You can re-listen to that message if you want to. But the last paragraph said, this is the first point to be made. And again, last paragraph. But he's saying, this is the first point to be made. The first action to be taken is to pull yourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts. I love that one because it just showed how English he was. Um, but not huddled together like frightened sheep, thinking about bombs. And this is, this is the statement that I love. This is what made me even think about it now. He said, they may break our bodies. A microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. Yeah. And so as I'm thinking about the coronavirus, man, that last, that last paragraph says, hey, this doesn't need to dominate my mind. Yeah. So I would just encourage you to, to trust in the Lord, to mm-hmm. not be motivated by fear, but be motivated by faith. Yeah. And yeah, so let us know if you have questions. Contact yeah. us, email us, uh, info at clcfamily.church for any questions. I'll even say that you can write any prayer requests that you have. Um, we normally take prayer requests over the weekend services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we do that by, you can drop it in a basket or you can just kind of let somebody know. So now we're going to change that to a digital format of going, okay, yep. info at clcfamily.church. There'll be somebody there that will receive them. We kind of compile a list of them and every week it's sent out to the staff and we pray over them. We spend time again on Tuesdays yep. at our staff meetings. That's one of the first things that we do is taking time to pray. So um, I feel like I could probably continue to talk about this forever. <laughs> like we're already about 15 minutes into this. Hey, we're good. And, and this is kind of oh. what, what happened even on Sunday. I think the first like 25, yeah. maybe even 30 minutes <laughs> was dominated by, yeah. by this conversation. Well, but I got another through? segue. All right, let's hear it, Christian. So uh, you, I know I had a really good one earlier, but um, it was pretty you, good. you're talking about uh, we're just trying to be the church in a different age, in yeah. a new age with a bunch of stuff going on that has a lot of people worried. And in the story that you shared, um, Christians uh, facing severe persecution were trying to simply do church. Good segue. Uh, Yeah, you thought it was good? Yeah, I think it's good. I don't know how many I have left, so let's not I don't know if it was as good as the first one. The first one was was natural. Yeah, it was natural. So from there, um, (laughs) let's kind of talk a little bit about um, just kind of the sermon this last weekend. So it's it's actually very interesting that you bring in the conversation with, you know, that that, that quote from C.S. Lewis with the atomic bomb, uh, the atomic age, but then now that that we're in this age of like COVID-19 and there's kind of this this fear and panic that we feel like is kind of widespread, um, and viral, if you want to say that. Um, and so how, uh, maybe uh, let's just talk a little bit about the story. Where do the, yeah. uh, the early Christians find themselves? And I guess if you want to recap a little bit about what you yeah, talked about. that's great. Yeah. So, so basically what we did is that we've been in this series that it started with the Holy Spirit. So we, we spent three weeks kind of on the Holy Spirit. And then we kind of changed series, not really, because we were still staying in the book of Acts. Um, but then yeah. we titled it Acts because we were more focusing on the early church. So as we are kind of coming to the end of really what's been a six-week series, um, but just a little bit of a name change in the middle of that, as we're coming to the end of that, what we were doing is we're looking at Acts chapter 9 and really Saul's conversion. Yeah. So Saul is this man that um, was later known as Paul, mm-hmm. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ. He went by the name of Saul, has this transformation, and is later known as Paul. And so we were looking at his conversion, and basically he went from the leader of the persecution of the early church 
to being one of the m- most like important people in the early church movement yeah. and pretty profound <laughs> yeah like he literally goes from a murderer of those that are in the christian faith to one that would be persecuted suffer pretty horribly and then ultimately die because of his faith like it, yeah. it was a complete reversal 180 from where he was to where God would actually bring him. And so this week, uh, we really worked through the first uh, about 30 30 verses of Acts chapter 9. We did start a little bit in in Acts 7, because what you see is when when Stephen, who is the first martyr of the early church, Saul was there giving his approval of his death. Like it says the witnesses, like uh, the people that were stoning Stephen, which is a horrible way to die, where they basically take rocks and they rock you to sleep. Like they throw rocks. (laughs) not that kind of rock to yeah, sleep you're not, thinking it's they, like they pelt you with rocks <laughs> yeah until you're dead it is incredibly violent and yes. it was kind of a practice for yes. for people back in that day and age right right, right. and so they th- this is how stephen dies and and saul who is a witness of that it says they laid their feet uh, their their cloaks, cloaks right? at his feet I was going to ask, giving actually, approval. Yeah. is that, is that, that's basically a sign of giving approval, right? Yeah. So okay. it's basically think of Saul is, is the leader in charge, right? So yeah. they're going, Hey, he's not going to necessarily get involved. And I, I haven't done a ton of study. He's not necessarily getting involved, but he's there giving his approval of it. Yeah. So they're going, well, if you're going to be here watching and witnessing this here, just watch my coat. Yeah. Like, again, I haven't done some, I haven't done much study on that because I was trying to focus more on nine, yep. but he's clearly what we see from seven even the beginning of eight as we get into uh eight it's it's uh in fact let me go ahead and read chapter eight um it's eight uh, let me see where it is it's he's got a lot of pretty notes guys i i don't know if they're pretty i got <laughs> a lot a binder there. Uh, it is in a binder eight <laughs> one it says and saul approved of their killing him on that day a great persecution mm-hmm. broke out against the church in jerusalem because remember this is the day of pentecost the holy spirit falls it's right now it's contained to jerusalem yeah. but there was a ton of people that were there and then they start to go back to their homes yeah. And it says, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So as this persecution breaks out and as people begin to go home, they then begin to talk about it. It says, godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. And Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And so here's this picture of what is actually this terrible horrific fear like fearful event for many of the early believers but yet god uses that to actually bring about his glory see the gospel wasn't supposed to just be contained to jerusalem the gospel was to go into all the world and jesus had already talked about that with his disciples but he didn't tell his disciples that the means in which that that would go into all the world would be persecution yeah would be suffering. Yeah. And so what's amazing to me as you look at this, as Saul starts, like Saul is persecuting the church, but God is still using Saul, even though Saul is working, dare I say, against God, or it looks like he's working against God. God has a plan in all of this. Yeah. And God actually uses Saul as the leader of this persecution, or at least he appears to be the leader of this persecution. Yeah. And through Saul's persecution, the church begins to spread and it begins to grow. And this this begins to be more than just what's happening in Jerusalem, but in Judea and Samaria. And then ultimately what we know is through the ends of the earth. And, yeah. and Saul plays a big part of that. So uh, I feel like there was a ton of content that we went through that I, I, I'm excited to talk about. Yeah. Really, as as I was, I feel like my message changed a lot. Last week, like this week, and it, the coronavirus was a huge thought like i mean i went from meetings to emails and just i felt like my my normal study time was interrupted because of all of this talk about the coronavirus but i feel like god had spoke to me and i don't use that word lightly i don't i don't want to add weight to my words by saying god spoke to me but i really felt like he gave me this message because honestly this wasn't the direction that i was planning on going and then all of a sudden friday i felt like or actually it wasn't even friday it was no it was a combination of friday and saturday i felt like it changed directions, and I was amazed at what I feel like God yeah. showed me. 
and that I hope I communicated. So as we kind of like continue to dive deeper into the story, um, it's interesting that you're, you're painting the backdrop of what is happening yeah. here, right? Before we even get to, to Saul's conversion and, and what is to come after that, yeah. um, here we have a kind of a cultural, you could call it political climate right. where, um, where people are probably afraid, but even in their fear, yeah. um, they do not kind of allow that to dominate their right. actions because we see that the very active persecution is not shutting them up yeah. like we might expect it to. Right. Um, it's actually causing them to speak out loud yeah. more, right? Yeah, to increase, right. honestly, increase the risk of their being killed. Right. And so um, I don't know if there's any parallel to learn here, but like, I don't know, just as we kind of are beginning to dive in and as we kind of see, as you were saying, you felt like maybe the, the direction you were taking the sermon changed. Um, could we see any parallels or just from overlooking the story as a whole um, where we can maybe already begin to take away some, uh, yeah. maybe some direction for uh, yeah. how we navigate this pretty intense, difficult season? Yeah, I think that that's a great question, and, and I feel like the way that I want to respond to that is uh, obviously shaped in part by the last week or two, uh, or actually the last week, I should say. But, and and I think that w- one of the things that, uh, and I'm not sure if this directly answers the question, I feel like this is answering the question in how I heard it, which mm-hmm. might be different from the way that you meant it. We can clarify. Um, so what I think is is amazing is that I think that what I really believe is that God's God's method of transformation comes, uh, I guess I would say, primarily through the church. Like, it's not us that does the changing. It's it's God. It's the Holy Spirit working through His people. So I want to be very clear. We aren't responsible for the change. Yeah. God and His Spirit yeah. moving and working in people's lives is. But I think that the church is the hope of the world. Yeah. And I think that God uses the church. So, so when I see things like COVID-19... I really think that somehow, somewhere in this, and I'm pretty sure that if you listen to the message, you probably got this part. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that God wants to use COVID-19. Like, I don't think God wastes any type of hurt. He doesn't waste anything that we go through. All of what happens in this earth and in this world can ultimately bring God glory. And it's crazy to think about because, again, when you're looking at the persecution of the church— I don't think anybody in that time would go, hey, this is a great thing that this is happening. (laughs) I'm so glad that this person was killed and this person was dragged off to Jerusalem and this person, like, no, it was, it was intense. It was heartbreaking. It was maybe panic riddled. Like uh, there's all of this feelings and emotions yet God used it in incredible ways. So I feel like I'm thinking through the, the church as the hope of the world. Yeah. Um, and God wants to use it. So I guess the parallel I'm going is, man, when things look their absolute worst, I truly believe that God is at his most working in and yeah. through the lives of his believers yeah, yeah. and in and through the church. Yeah. And what's what I feel like I didn't maybe do a great job with is the practicals, right? Like, So I talked a lot about be the church and encourage you to be the church. But the reality is, is that the question becomes, well, what does that mean? Yeah, how, how do, do I do that? Do that? Yeah. Like, Especially now when we can't connect, right? Yeah. We can't actually share the same space. In fact, we Absolutely. should be six feet yeah. from each other. Don't tell I, anyone. I thought I heard you sneeze earlier. Yeah, I've been, too, I've been so. watching this. Game. I've been wiping my face too much. <laughs> so uh, I'm done. All <laughs> right, is... guys. So if I'm not here next week, is it because yeah. I'm quarantined? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't know where we were. But yeah, how God is like working through these things. Yeah. In fact, as you were talking, um, another C.S. Lewis quote kind of came to mind, that pain is God's mega phone to the yeah. world yeah. and how um and josh pastor josh has said this sometimes too when there, something's hurting when something is pain it's trying to communicate to you that right. there's something wrong right there's something broken and it needs our attention right and so if anything i think the surfacing of all this fear like in in rome's case in this or in jerusalem's case you know with paul and the, all these persecutions yeah. the brokenness is that you know people are being killed yeah. um over their their faithfulness to god they're being killed right. over something right that highlights the brokenness of the systems right. and the culture that can lend themselves so easily to something like that perhaps in the world today and I, I don't mean to continue to bring it back to COVID-19 we'll we'll get away from that once we dive a bit deeper but um, we kind of see like people hoarding and like jacking yeah. up prices for things and stuff like that these are kind of reflect some brokenness and and creates anxiety and, and pain right. and stuff so I think right. I really like your point that God's always doing something especially in these seasons where right. um, there's a lot more concern and maybe fear um, I think are, are the most important seasons to kind of jump in in faith and knowing yeah. that we won't understand everything it's not bad to try and figure it out and grow aware and be wise and discerning. Um, But at some point we'll have to say, 
I don't have control over this and I yeah. have to, I have to trust my community and I have to trust God, right? Trust yeah. the church and stuff. So, and so I feel like even as I've been talking and again, talking through staff, some of the ideas, like uh, what I think I would really love the church to do. And, and maybe these are some practicals and, and, and it's weird because I'm, I'm the outreach pastor here. That's my yeah. title. Like part of my job is to, to organize people to come together for the sake of, you know, whatever it is, Lincoln University's yeah. moving day or to do this event or do that or help facilitate or help, you know, those that can facilitate. Like it's weird for me to be in a place where I'm going, man, 10 people, that's the government's recommendation. That's it. Like <laughs> do much of that. I can't even meet with my small group. Then. Yeah. That, like that's over 10 people. Yeah. And that's just the adults in that. <laughs> like, so, so it's, in, it's amazing for me, but I guess what, what I would, my desire for us as a church is that you would look for opportunities to minister, mm-hmm. that y- if you have an elderly neighbor or, or somebody that you could reach out to them and say, hey, if there's anything that I could do to help you with, maybe yeah. you go shopping for them. Yeah. Maybe if, if getting out of the house, maybe it doesn't mean that you're actually spending time with that person, but maybe it means that you just love on them and say, hey, I'm heading to the store. What can I get for you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I I don't know what that looks like. I think that that's one of the things that I'm going, man, there's probably people within our church that maybe we should be reaching out to do. And we're, yeah. we're trying to organize some stuff. Well, maybe I should say yeah. trying to organize some stuff. Thinking there's some through. ideas in my mind that I want to try and start laying the groundwork for and saying, hey, how do we help out our local hospital? How do we help out yeah. our, our senior citizen centers? And honestly, that help might be just stay away from the senior citizens, right? Like the, the reality is, is that we could reach out and they're like, hey, don't do anything. Stay yeah. away from us. And if that's the case, then that's, that's what the we want to do. do. Yeah. We want to be respectful. We really want to be good neighbors in that. So so I, I feel like there's this desire and this longing for me to partner with what God is doing. Yep. But until that happens, and I'm not sure if that can happen in the ways that we've done them before. Yeah, so sure. it's a brand new process. What I would encourage you is to, is to look for opportunities, like to try and follow the government's guidelines of 10 or less. But mm-hmm. what can you do to reach out to those that are around you in your neighborhood? How can you show support? How can you show love? How yeah. can you show care and concern? Yeah. And how can we be the church? Yeah. And I do think as we go through this message, um, man, I, I don't know how to separate out COVID-19 and Saul's conversion, because I just felt Mm. like it's dominated thoughts, even as we get to like Ananias, this believer that comes to pray over Saul, like, man, he most likely had fear and concern that this guy that persecuted and murdered Christians, God is now calling him to go talk to. Yeah. So let's, let's go back and talk about how that happened. So, um, ask your questions, Christian. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this is a really profound story because a yeah. majority or a lot of the New Testament is written by yeah. an ex-terrorist. It's believed to be about half. Yeah, about half the New Testament is yeah. written by an ex-terrorist. And so I think that does a couple of things. It, it shows us, wow, like God's yeah. grace is much more than yeah. I would ever give. But let's go back to how did this happen? Because we have this guy who, as you said, would risk his life traveling the roads of Rome, essentially, yeah. would um, risk a lot for the purpose of of not establishing anything, but it's more of just eliminating Destroying. this yeah. minority Christian movement, this this sect of uh, this just small religion, right? And so, yeah. um, so something significant had yeah. happened, and you talked a little bit about that. So help us, kind of. I mean, I don't know if you want to walk us through that necessarily, but um, yeah, that's a just a pretty, pretty big transition that brought about much right. of the New Testament. So what does that right. say, maybe about how God works, mm-hmm. uh, and then what is that? Um, I guess, what does that say about uh, Paul's experience, yeah. Saul's so, experience? So Saul, who again is later called Paul, and I found myself saying Saul and Paul almost interchangeably. Yeah. But I'm trying to refer to him just as Saul in this point, but yep. he later is known as Paul. Yep. So as Saul is like persecuting the church, he seeks these letters of extradition from the Jewish synagogue that says, hey, let me go into Damascus. It's about 130 miles away. It would take uh, between three to six days journey to get there. Like it's a significant, there wasn't cars. I mean, camels weren't really, uh, camels did exist. Well, some of them, it's kind of crazy to study. Some of them travel up to like 16 miles per hour. Wow. Unless they're hitting a speed hump. Get it? That was terrible. That was a really bad joke. So camels, uh, camel. I don't even know if I want to talk about them anymore. But um, so this long, incredible distance, and 
again, talked about it on Sunday. Rome was the superpower. They created all these roads, but yeah. it was still very dangerous. Yeah. It was vil- still very treacherous. There would be robbers that were on the roads. In fact, you see like the, the story of the Good Samaritan, which is a parable, meaning it's made up story. But it wasn't all that made up in the yeah. sense that there was robbers on this road. Like yeah. that was a common thing. Like if you had this row, well, you're going to pass through the certain places. You'll and run into someone you don't want to run into. Exactly. Yep. And so people would get their affairs in order. And so what we see is Saul, mm. who is so angry that it almost, it appears that that's, it doesn't matter to him. Like yeah. he's going to go to Damascus. He's going to bring these, drag these people back in chains where apparently in, in Jerusalem, they had the, the authority to be able to to put them to death or to yeah. punish them. And a, a part of that is we see as Jesus is crucified, like yeah. there was a temple guard, like there was the, the, the Jerusalem or the Sanhedrin, this mm-hmm. Jewish council was working with Rome. So on some level, Rome gave authority to this Jewish synagogue to yeah. be able to, uh, to be able to kind of figure out their own affairs. And yeah. so, so that's what's happening is that Saul's on his way to go, you know, kill and drag off and, he and bring is a back. Roman too, right? Yeah, yeah. Saul is a Roman. He's a he's Roman. He's a very citizen. unique individual. Yeah. Um, so he's a Jew. He's a Roman. Like yeah. he's 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 really smart too. He's, yeah. Studied studied under uh, Gamil, I think, if I'm yeah. re- recalling that correctly, his yeah. name, um, who was one of the most like known well teachers of that time. Yeah. Like he, he, this is a very educated, very smart man. Yeah. And he's very zealous and passionate about. At this point, stamping out this blasphemous yeah. sect of Judaism, yeah. right? Like, yeah, essentially. This is wrong, and this is not right. And so traveling there, he has this encounter with God that kind of bright light shines, knocks him off his horse. He he closes his eyes, probably believes that he's talking to an angel yeah. or, or to God himself, and, and goes, who are you, sir? And and the Lord says, the "Response is interesting." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to read it uh, uh, first. The question that yeah. the Lord asks is, "Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me?" It's interesting. Whenever a name is said twice Multiple within that literature, there's a significance to it. To mm-hmm. like, hey, pay attention to what's about to happen. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't want in this context. You wouldn't want God saying your name twice like that. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, he asks, "Who are you?" And he said, um, uh, who are you, Lord? And it says, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And then it says, uh, verse 9 of 9 says, My companions saw the light, but they did not understand mm-hmm. the voice of him who is speaking to me. What shall I do? Uh, I asked. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. This is Acts 22. That's the other telling of it. There's three actually different places in Acts where it records Saul, Saul's conversion. Which is also significant. That's also right? significant because Luke who's a, an investigative journalist, a doctor by trade, like yeah. a, a very smart, intelligent man. Detailed. He was very detailed in his account of it, and he specifically recorded it three times. Yep. He could have just referred back to it and just said, oh, yeah, Saul's conversion. Yeah, because they do that a lot in Scripture. But he just, he three times put it in there. Yeah. In nine, what we specifically looked at, that was actually um, Luke's account of it. But then you see in 22, and I believe it's in 26, Saul's account of it. And so... So there's this conversation and where where the Lord says, why are you persecuting me? And I think it's that moment that all of a sudden everything gets turned around for Saul. Yeah. Like what we know is that he was very devout religiously, right? Yeah. But what we also know is that his focus was kind of the opposite direction from where it needed to be. And so in that moment, as he sees God, as God speaks to him, and says, why are you persecuting me? It's maybe in that moment that he goes, wait a minute. I'm not turning away from Judaism, but everything that I believe in Judaism, Christ is the fulfillment of that he was and is the true Messiah. So therefore, everything that he was so religiously zealous about is now actually fully understood and connected. And so what's amazing is that same passion that he persecuted the church with ultimately becomes the same passion that he builds the church now yeah. with. And which is, uh, I think, a very incredible how it highlights kind of the re- redeeming qualities of what God has done. I'm intrigued by um, the question that uh, Jesus, you know, God asks in this yeah. moment, because uh, I don't think at any point in time Saul was thinking, I'm persecuting yeah, Jesus, right. I'm persecuting God. Right. Um, he probably thought, you know, I'm persecuting just this 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 group of blasphemers, right? right? 
right. these. And so um, do, I don't know if you found anything in your notes or studies that kind of spoke a little more about that. And maybe there's not any more to say, but uh, was there anything kind of uh, interesting about why that question? Why are you persecuting me? Yeah. And I mean, I guess I can't really question what God's intent is here, but um, I don't know. Did you find anything in addition to that? Yeah, or? so this was a direct quote from a commentary. It's not specifically on the verse, why are you persecuting me? But it talks kind of about it and around it. So, uh, and I thought it was good. One of the things that I recognize when I when I prepare a message, generally what I do is I'm creating my own commentary on mm-hmm. that passage. Yep. And what that means is that I read all of these different commentaries and I kind of blend it together. it together. Yeah, and go, oh man, this is... And so I try and get a fuller understanding. And now that's a good thing and a bad thing for me <laughs> because then what happens is I have like six pages of notes. Yeah. I'm and like, then I can never find like when I'm, when I'm recalling one of those things, I'm like, where was that? Yeah. Was that the next page or this page? Um, but then when I can read through it, it's, it's, it's beneficial. So w- what I kind of wrote here or what I compiled from a bunch of different things was that Saul was learning that he isn't persecuting some crazy sect of Judaism, Mm. but he's actually persecuting the risen Messiah, Jesus Christ. Saul had not been called so much to leave Judaism behind as to accept Jesus as the fulfillment of all he believed. It was in this encounter and experience that Saul met the risen Savior and believed that he was the true Messiah. From this moment and point on, Saul turns that passion and radical ambition towards the person and the purposes of Jesus Christ. And one, one other paragraph, it just said, Saul thought that he was pursuing heretics, but according to the voice, his actions were equal to attacking Christ himself. As he lay there in the dust, Saul must have been reeling from the realization that Jesus, the crucified founder of this detested sect, had been resurrected by God and exalted in divine glory. Saul was not serving God as he thought, but opposing him. According to Paul's own testimony in Acts 26, Christ gave him at this moment a brief preview of his future as an apostle to the Gentiles. And further details would come once he made his way into the city of Damascus. So here's this moment of a light, a voice, and this realization of, I've missed it, right? Like, And that's my words of it, of going, man. That's a good good phrase. It's, I've missed it, that it's not that that this sect is wrong, but that this sect has the full understanding of God. And everything that I believe is actually true. I've just missed that Christ is the Messiah. It's one part. point, which is the most important point. Right. right. And that is, for us, as you say, that is the most important important part. Like, yeah. we as, as Gentiles, which just means non-Jews, right? The Jews were God's elected, chosen people. Yep. But then God offers himself to the Gentiles, to and people. we don't have to follow the religious laws that the Jews have, what we need to understand is that Christ is the Messiah, that he is the risen Savior, and that, uh, to simplify it, maybe if I can, that's all that we need to believe. Yeah, yeah. That's all that we need to believe is that he is the Messiah. He is our Lord. He is our Savior that saves us from our sins. And because of that, we can now enter into a right relationship with him. And so we have that happening right here with Saul, where he has this profound moment, this encounter with God. I want to ask a question uh, regarding what also happens in that moment. We see um, that his name is changed. And Saul, out of any person, would know the significance of that. Because uh, being one who studied um, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, he would know about Abram getting his name changed to Abraham, to Sarai. uh, Her name's changed to Sarah. Um, And there's, uh, you know, Jacob, he shall be called Israel, Israel, right? And so there's this moment moment when people encounter God, that God changes their name. Yeah. Uh, almost, I don't know, like an identity change of sorts. Yeah. And so, um, so uh, yeah, can you say more to maybe the yeah. significance of that in this moment? So, so I actually didn't study much of that. So okay. uh, obviously there was a significance to names in, in the Old Testament, like uh, in Bible times when people were, yeah. were given a name, it was based off of the circumstances surrounding them or yeah. something. So, so like everything with names, they weren't just kind of picked from a name book. Yeah. You didn't like, just go, Johnny, on, I like go Johnny. online and say, no, there was a meaning behind every <laughs> yeah, single name. In fact, as you read through the Old Testament, some names are really weird that you're like, there's well, Nimrod what? is a name in the Old Testament. <laughs> Nimrod is like a, a name Nimrod. and it means like foolish one, right? Oh, I thought I meant warrior of God. Nimrod? I don't He's think He's probably so. right. I think Nimrod I'm was wrong. like foolish or something. Then I'm not going like to name that. my child Nimrod. <laughs> I don't remember. So if I'm wrong, just give me grace yeah. in that. But I, I'm pretty sure that it's a yeah. negative connotation. Yeah. Which when you think of Nimrod, yeah. 
doesn't really have it's not a, a compliment. Yeah. yeah, no. So there's a significance to there to is it. Always a significance yeah. to names, and whenever a name was changed, especially if that name was changed by God Himself, yeah. like like the example that you used from Jacob to Israel. Yeah. Like man, that was a significant and change. With God. And he wrestled with God. That's what his name meant. So yeah. so there was always something significant. Specifically within the life of Paul, I did not like kind of study the depth of that. In fact, um, I forget where it was. It's probably somewhere in my notes, but like I said, there's too many notes to be able to just recall it. <laughs> what? But somewhere in there, um, it's it's almost like a footnote. It's like in parentheses yeah. in the scripture. It's like and Paul, and then it says parentheses, or maybe it says Saul, and then in parentheses it says Paul. It's like, was also known as Saul, was yeah. also known as Paul. Yeah. And then, or Paul was also known as Saul. Like, yeah. It, it's almost like plays down that name yeah. change. So I, I, I haven't studied, I don't know if that's accurate that it's plays down. Sure. But what we know is that names were very significant yeah. in Bible times. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was a significance to that. I just, to be honest, I just didn't study it this yeah. week as as it kind of came up. So we see in this moment, um, there's almost kind of uh, multiple layers of redeeming qualities yeah. here. Because here we have, uh, you know, God is addressing Saul um, and redeems his understanding of what Christianity really right. is, like right. the validity of it. Uh, he redeems his name, changes it from Saul yeah. to Paul, uh, and then he redeems his mission a little bit, yeah, where he's absolutely. like, this is no longer what you're doing, um, but this is what you're doing, and this is how you're going to do it. So yeah. um, so what? I guess what happens after this, we understand that yeah. he's kind of blind, um, he's traveling on, uh, we see that God, uh, Pastor Josh would say this a lot, there's a redemption and then restoration, and so yeah. here's this redeeming process profound moment where Saul encounters God, becomes yeah. Paul. Uh, now we begin, maybe you could call it the process of restoration. Yeah. Maybe you could call that maybe his journey to Damascus. I don't know. Yeah. So what we know is that it, as he neared Damascus, they say uh, it was about midday, midday, it being the brightest time if the sun is shining. Mm -hmm. Like, so, so there is this, like, as Luke records this, there's specific detail to say, hey, this light that he saw wasn't a natural light. Like, this was a supernatural light. Mm -hmm. And so, as he has this encounter, he gets up, he's blind, he can't see. He goes into the Damas into Damascus, into the, onto Straight Street to Judas's house is the specific verbiage. Again, specific hmm. details that at that time... The readers could have double checked. Oh, I know Judas on Straight Street. Right? Do you think like, he appreciated his address being published? <laughs> I don't know, but apparently Straight Street still exists to this day. Really? There's a road in Damascus. I think it's about a half mile long that runs east to west. I think, okay. um, but apparently that road still exists. That's so pretty cool. That's pretty unique. Yeah. Um, or at least it did until the commentary that I read uh, was published yeah. in the 1900s or okay. uh, I don't know, whatever. I feel but like if it survived about 1900 I'm, years, I'm pretty sure that it's still around. Yeah. But, so <laughs> I feel comfortable to say that. So, so details there, but then what we see is that Saul is repentive and he's remorseful. We know that because he doesn't eat and he fasts for yeah. three days. That was mm -hmm. a sign of mourning and repentance. That wasn't just something like, Oh, Saul's trying to lose a few pounds. So he's not going to eat. Um, no, this was, this was a, a clear sign of mourning and, yeah. Maybe it would even be appropriate to say grieving because sure. he had put to death yeah. Christians. So he is, his entire world has rocked, yeah. right? Like everything that he knows to be true is now kind of turned sideways. Yeah. And he's going, wait a minute. I got it what wrong. Have, what have I done? Yeah. Right? Like, because he was devout with that. Like, oh, he thought that was so it. Devout. That was yeah. the way that was his calling in life, really. That's right. And for to realize that he was acting on the total contrary yeah. of what he was really called to do. Yeah. I, I could be pretty devastating. Yeah. So what I love is is kind of as you continue in that. So he's praying, and as he's praying, um, which is which is pretty amazing to see because as Saul is praying, like any real encounter with with Christ, uh, where where things have changed, there's transformation that happens. There should be a desire to know who God is yeah. and to pursue His purposes. So I think yeah. that prayer. Like, I don't think that this is Paul just kind of pretend like he's really spiritual. I think that he's earnestly seeking God in this moment. Yeah. He is truly seeking him, which is a sign of the transformation that has happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so as he's praying, God shows up to this other person named Ananias who's in Damascus. Yeah. And I love this part of it and, and ended up parking on this a little bit in the yeah. message. And hopefully it's not, you know, too repetitive for you. But. 
but God has this, uh, or the Lord speaks to Ananias, which which scholars referred to, or at least one one uh, commentary referred to it as a dual vision. So okay. there's this encounter with Paul, but then there's also this encounter with Ananias, yeah. meaning that God is orchestrating all of it. Like yeah. it can't be left to chance because God is showing up kind of shaping it. in yeah. both yeah, circumstances. Yeah. And the only other time that I think we see that is in Acts chapter 10. So in Acts chapter 9, we have Saul's conversion. Yeah. Acts chapter 10, which we looked at in the the second week of Acts or the fifth week of that Holy Spirit and Acts series um, where Peter talked or where Gary talked about Peter seeing this vision Mm -hmm. of the sheep or the sheep coming down saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But at the same time, Cornelius, who is this Gentile who was outside of the faith, kind of a reject, he comes, comes to know Christ. So these are really the only two times where we see this twin vision, or I think Pastor Gary referred to it as, as a double double vision yeah. or double um, uh, seeing this um, prophecy or seeing this God orchestrating yeah. this. Um, and so God comes to Ananias and he's like, hey, Ananias, I need you to go pray over Saul. And these are all my words. And uh, right. Ananias is like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't want to do like, that. <laughs> um, I just love the exchange, at least because I put my thoughts and my emotion into that. Yeah. that the believers, like Paul's reputation had preceded him to Damascus. Oh, yeah. As the believers are in Damascus, they probably know that Saul's coming, and they're fearful. Which is why they're spreading yes. the faith, right? This Which is, is why, why they're, they're talking about they're it. getting out of Jerusalem. It's yeah. probably in reference to like leaving the festivities that were at Passover yep. or, or were at the day of Pentecost. But yep. so they're going home, but then also, man, they're leaving because of persecution. Yep. And so <laughs> Ananias is kind of, I would say, rightly going, uh. God, you sure you want me? You're talking about the right guy. I've heard about him, (laughs) and he came with, like, letters to be able to drag us back. Yeah. And, like, and so there's this exchange, which if we know the story, we can downplay it. But there's this exchange where Ananias kind of goes, okay, okay, God, like, I've heard about him. And God's response to him is, like, go. I've shown him Saul, meaning what he must suffer for my name's sake. And I think that... One of the biggest points, so like one of the things that we talked about is that God always has a plan. You see that through the double vision or through the dual vision and prophecy, if you will. Not prophecy, but the dual vision. You see that through Paul persecuting, but now also not just persecuting, uh, but that spread actually being a a positive. Like this is how the gospel goes to the corners of the earth. Like, so you see that God has a plan and that he's always at work. But then also what you see is that as Ananias does this, as he's feeling those emotions, probably he's obedient to what God calls him to. And what I, what I think is so beautiful in that is that Ananias didn't focus specifically on the external circumstances. What he focused on was what God told him to do. And even though he had every reason to fear, he was more focused and intent on being obedient to God's voice mm. than he was to allowing fear to control his life. And again, that that I didn't plan on saying, honestly, that was something like I was impressed with Ananias and like how how he is obedient. But but that fear part really yeah. kind of revealed itself. I feel like God revealed that this past week with the fear that we're experiencing yeah. over this uh, COVID-19. Like. Mm-hmm. That there's a real fear there, and it's not a unreasonable fear. Yet, yeah. just like Ananias' fear was not unreasonable, yet he was obedient to what God called him to do. And I think that's just such a beautiful picture there of how Ananias was yeah. obedient to that. He goes to Saul. He prays over him. He places his hands on him. Even that shows love and care. Like physical touch is, is the first love language that we know. Yeah. Um, my small group is doing a study on the five love languages. And so they're great. You yeah, should study them. It's a great book by Dr. Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman. Um, it's been around for like 20 years. So yeah. it's a great thing. But, uh, <laughs> but as children, you think of children, like children, it's through the holding of children shortly after they're born that mm-hmm. there's a connection made, right? Like um, it's through a child young that uh, you can pick up and you can console. It's through yeah. that physical touch. So yeah. physical touch is a is a big thing, and I'm not talking intimacy, physical touch, sure. but just just the natural response, close which, proximity, perhaps close proximity. Which right now we're being told to kind of limit close yeah. proximity. So, so for so, those of you who your love language is physical touch, 
We, we feel you. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, but it, it's in that, like, Ananias communicates, and he calls him brother. He communicates yeah. love, care, and concern to Saul, yeah. and he baptizes him. And so it's this beautiful picture that you see God is always at work. You see Ananias focus not on the external, but on, on God's voice. Yeah. And then um, it's just pretty amazing. The other thing that you see, and this was kind of one of the points, I feel like I'm recapping the message in my mind. The other thing that you see is as Saul has this encounter with God, he asks two very important questions like, who are you, Lord? And then what shall I do? And that wasn't mm. that second question, what shall I do, isn't recorded in Acts 9. It's recorded in Acts 22 yeah. in Paul's retelling of it. But I think those are two very important questions for the life of any believer. Things that if lived out in true response to what God would call us to yeah. are transformational. Like, yeah. Lord, who are you? And in response to who you are, how should I live my life? What should I do? And those things can change your life if you begin to ask and to live out those answers. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about, bit more about that. I know we don't have too much time left, but kind of three maybe questions that are in line with those um, I'd love to talk about. So yeah. I'm, I'm a youth pastor, so I always kind of ask these questions to kind of help uh, students kind of reflect on things. But uh, I, th I feel like through most uh, stories in Scripture, we learn something about God. Yeah. We learn something about ourselves. Uh, and then, of course, there's um, there's not sometimes there's not a specific call to action, um, but there's a, um, a, there's a way that we might be able to live differently in response or uh, kind of in reflection of the story. So, if you're cool with me throwing out those questions, yeah, dude, the first one: What do we learn about God in this instance? About how you yeah. know God takes us? He picks his terrorists. He's doing horrible <laughs> things. He doesn't pick anyone else. Like he picks other people, but yeah. he decides to hone in on this guy yeah. who's doing horrible things. Like why why that? You know why Saul? Um, why in this manner? Right. And I know right. we can't answer all these questions but what might we yeah. be able to learn f about god just by how god handles this yeah i feel like part of honestly my part of my thought process is i'm kind of always going back to really those points like yeah. i think the biggest thing is that what you see is that god has a plan yeah right like it, god was not surprised by saul's persecution god was not surprised by his conversion like god uh, saw all things before anything even took place yeah. or happened and so like, I think that that's one of the things that I first see. And yeah. part of that, honestly, guys, is that because this is the material that I've been working through, that's kind of the, the main place that I've yep. landed is that God is at work. Like, you see him moving, and he is always, always, always at work. Yeah. Even when the believers couldn't see that. Yeah. And, he, and he'll use just about anybody for and it. And he'll use. <laughs> that was part of, honestly, that was part of the original thought that I had yeah. is I'm like, man, it doesn't, God doesn't care about it as much. Uh, doesn't care about your past as much as he cares about your future. Yeah. Like that's where I thought I was initially going like, Hey, it doesn't matter what you've done. It's about what God can yeah. do in and through you. And while that's very true, I felt like just landing at the point, man, God is always at work. Yeah. And that is truth. Like yeah. your past doesn't matter as much as your future. Like There's... you may have failed. You may have screwed it up. You yeah. may have dropped the ball. Like, but God, God wants to still use you in incredible ways. There's a cool quote that uh, lyric actually that you made me think of. It's um, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. It's just really right. profound because I think it's very true in this story. Yeah. Um, so what? What? Um, and I don't know if this has relevance, but um, what can we learn about ourselves? Like yeah. you know, if we were to put ourselves. I don't know. In uh, we could put ourselves in Ananias' shoes in this story. Yeah. We could put ourselves in Saul's shoes, yeah. or even just any other person, kind of in that context. Yeah. Um, is there anything that we can kind of maybe learn about ourselves, or how it is that we? Man, I'm, I, I guess I'm trying to think through your question and give something different because where I'd naturally go to is yeah. that we're fear-driven. That's true. Right? I mean, that, and that um, that might be the case, right? And so we're very much fear-driven. Yet, uh, I, okay. So I'm just going to lean into that. Like <laughs> we're fear-driven. Yet we should strive to be at a place where we're not fear driven, but we're we're faith driven. Yeah. Right. Like, so let's talk about that then. So how yeah. do we? Because I know some people, like I might mention that to some young people, and yeah. very rightfully so. Like you know, I think some people are very interested in doing that. Like, yeah, yeah I want to be faith driven. I don't want to let fear drive. So what do I do necessarily? Yeah. Like how it, how is it that we go about that? What does that look like tangibly? Are there habits that I could kind yeah. of practice in my own life that when we do are struck with a pandemic yeah. i wouldn't be one of the ones who are identified by fear um, but more by faith so i don't yeah. know i think a big part of that is maybe being able to work through that in in your feelings and your thoughts like i think for me i've gotten to a point and and it takes a lot of energy like it does energy to be able to think through and to process and to work through and uh, honestly i think that counseling is a good thing because it can help you think through and work through some people 
are able and have that energy to work through it by themselves. Yeah. And some people maybe aren't. Um, and that's okay. God yeah. has created each and every single one of us different. But for me, what I, what I have to do is that I have to first like pause and recognize that I have to ask myself, is this a fear-based decision? Yeah. Like, true. and if it's a fear-based decision, like, and I've got to be honest with myself, like yeah. I can't say no, but also I might be thinking that it kind of is like, <laughs> I've got to be honest with myself. And if I am fear-based, I go, okay, then in response to understanding that that is fear, what would God have me do instead? Yeah. Like, true. so I think for me to answer that question, how do I be, you know, faith-based rather than fear-based is that I've got to ask myself all the time. Mm-hmm. Is this fear-based or is this faith-based? I went shopping yesterday with my wife, like just because is we it needed out of fear? to. And that's honestly <laughs> the question that I asked myself. Like I found myself putting a little bit more things in the cart, yeah. like not toilet paper because I couldn't get that. Yeah, but it's uh, gone. like instead of two bags of frozen vegetables, I'm like, here's three, three bags of yeah. vegetables. And I found myself literally asking myself in the middle of Walmart, going, "Is this fear-driven oh, or is this faith-driven?" And and I was rest- I wrestled through that for the. 40 minutes that I was there. Yeah. Like every time I went to the meat section, I was like, is this fear driven or faith driven? And I'm going, I don't know. And then on top of that, I'm asking, well, is this, I need to be wise. Yeah. I was going to say it could, it could be discernment. Like, you know, that's hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know if I actually landed at a good place. I think I left still asking, was it fear or faith? Yeah. Was it fear or faith? The other thing, too, is that I just got a, a new freezer for my basement. So I was super excited to, fill to, it up. to have a freezer to put things so funny. in there. So <laughs> part of that was that, too. Um, I might. Uh, I was thinking I might add, too, um, I think in, I think this is where community is really important, if you don't mind me adding. I yeah, know this isn't my sermon. Um, but, uh, but there's a point where, like, for me and my wife, like, I share in these conversations where I, like, with yeah. when I have fear and faith. Um, I have friends. Like, we have a lot of candid yeah. conversations yep. about life, and I'll share my fears and my faith. Um, and I think sometimes sure. journeying with other people and being, like, honestly just – having everything on the table, being open, someone you trust and love who, yeah. um, who, who could support you and journey with you, just having everything on the table. And then sometimes other people, um, are a bit better at identifying yeah, the fear right. and faith in us. Right. Um, like my wife will say, Hey, I think you're making this decision out of like anxiety or, or she knows I have an addictive personality. So she's like, Christian, just pump the brakes. You're getting like a little excited about this. And yeah. so sometimes maybe just being all, you know, open about all that stuff yeah. with someone else could help us uh, yeah. Kind of, uh, kind of, uh, what's the word? Cultivate that sense of faith in us, yeah. um, and to be at least a bit more aware of when we're yeah. functioning out of here. Because your blind spots you don't see. That's yep. why they're called blind, blind spots. spots, right? Like mm-hmm. so, so I and I just it just so happens that I am a verbal processor. Mm-hmm. Whether my wife likes it or not, <laughs> I tend to. So she knew for the yeah. forty minutes my struggle, yeah. and so she was able to to lend. She was just trying thoughts. to go to the grocery store. She, she just wanted to get She's what just we need. She needs some peanut butter crackers and Ben's getting two boxes. Existential crisis over here. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. So. Um, so that's good. So gosh, uh, I don't know. Any final thought to kind of wrap up, you know, a oh, nugget man. to take home, something that, uh, I don't know, just a way to sum it up for you. Man, uh, what I hope is that I feel like there was, there was kind of a few moments that I felt like God was very clearly speaking to me personally and I, I feel like whenever I, I communicate, man, God is moving probably in me so much more than what I feel like I can convey yeah. through the microphone or through stage. Like uh, half the time, I think that the messages that I preach are not necessarily for the congregation. I do believe that God uses that. So yeah. please don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say it's just for me, but I feel like God is challenging me. And it's in that that process that I feel like I'm going, Hey guys, this is what I'm learning and what I'm feeling. And so I guess my prayer in everything is that it was a new week. This is a new way to watch. Like it's a new way to engage in church. Um, even us, we're trying to figure out metrics of like, we wonder who all showed up this past weekend (laughs) and we have no idea how to do that. Um, there's some metrics that like box cast and Facebook tries to give us, but it doesn't really help. <laughs> like 30 people watch for three minutes. Yeah. It's like, what does, what does that mean? So stop and go. Or? So it's, it's something that I, my prayer is that whether you tuned in for three minutes, 30 seconds or, or whatever it was, my prayer is mm-hmm. that, that the Holy spirit came through the device that you were looking and he spoke to you. Yeah. That is my desire because I don't care if you remember my words, but what I would hope is that the Holy spirit, in his way, it just comes through that device and he speaks to you and he challenges you in yeah. a way that you need to hear that. And so 
I don't know. It's not really a final thought, but it's more of going, I think that God is good. He's in control yeah. in the middle of this pandemic, in the yeah. middle of this fear, in the middle of the anxiousness and the worry of what will come. God is still good. Yeah. He is still good. He still has a plan. We can still follow him and he's still worthy of, of our praise. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's that's not good. really a final thought. No, but it is. That's, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, so that, I mean, it's the same God um, who, who encountered Saul on the yeah. road that day. Same yep. God who um, journeyed with all the people during persecution, severe yeah. persecutions. Right. Uh, it's the same God who journeys with us in all of our pain and trial and loss and grief and death yeah. um, and including pandemics. And so um, I think it's a really good word to remember that, gosh, in all seasons, God's doing something. Yeah. Um, just because we don't know what it is or we can't kind of put a pulse on God or figure what figure out exactly what's going on, I think, um, yeah. I think it's good to lean into it, these truths. I think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with mm. all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding That's good. and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths yeah. like that peace trust in the lord with all of your heart that's the easy part but lean not in your own understanding that's where all of a sudden i go whoa time out yeah yeah <laughs> like trust in the lord sure i can trust in him cross the line there when i understand <laughs> the process but when i lean not on my own understanding ooh, i don't know about that yeah like that is the difficult part of yeah. it but that's what we're called to do um, so yeah, we thank you so yeah. much for joining us for episode 22. I forgot yep. to say that episode 22, 22. of Overtime. Uh, once again, we are continuing to kind of evaluate the situation that is this pandemic, um, but we aren't fearful. fearful. We're uh, in full faith that God's doing something um, and we won't lean on our own understanding in the process. Um, but if you'd like to stay tuned kind of as to any developments, any announcements uh, regarding events, services, anything here at the church, please do visit us again at our website, clcfamily.church or search CLC family on Facebook. Yeah. So yeah. love you guys. We will see you around. We will be in communication as much as we can. And yeah, reach out to us. Don't be afraid to contact us if you have any questions or thoughts. And yeah. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. No, we're not doing high yeah, fives. Yeah, because there's a virus. You don't want to do yeah. high fives. You no. pass the test. <laughs> Social distancing. See you guys. See ya.